1: your life, living your life, your best life, if you would, but living the life that God has for it, living the best life that God has for you. And this is about restoration. It's about repairing the walls. It's about repairing the gates of the city. And Jerusalem was the capital city. And uh, it had been devastated uh, from armies to the east, Jerusalem, geographically where it sat and where it sits today, is a part of the Fertile Crescent that goes around all the way into uh, Babylon or Baghdad. Is the pres- present-day Baghdad is about fifty or sixty miles from old Babylon, and it goes on up around, and then it comes down along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, and then it extends down into Egypt and the Fertile Crescent, and in this small section between the Mediterranean and where the the Fertile Crescent comes, sat the tiny nation of Israel, which is still there. And in this, there were three major highways, and one was called the King's Highway. And so Israel found themselves continually at battle with world powers who wanted to dominate them and destroy them, and whoever could control those major arteries through there would also have access. For instance, uh, Assyria could have access to Egypt to dominate and destroy them, or Egypt could have access through those highways to go on up through the Fertile Crescent and even get down into Babylon where uh, Nebuchadnezzar had been, King Cyrus. And this book takes place under the King Artaxerxes. And they had been carried off under Nebuchadnezzar, and God raised up a man, called the, he was the cupbearer, whose name was Nehemiah. Nehemiah served faithfully the, the king. This was a trusted position. And One day the king saw that there was his countenance, something was bothering him and there was a private banquet, just the king and, his, and the queen were there and he asked Nehemiah, he said why, why are you troubled? And Nehemiah replied to him, it's because of my people and my city. And Artaxerxes said, tell me more. And he told him more. And Artaxerxes said, what can I do to help? And how many know if a king or the king maker asks you, what can he do to help, or what can she do to help? How many know it's really important you have an answer for them? You don't need to write a report. They, they don't need reports. They just want to know how can I help? And the Bible says that he prayed, he prayed to the God of heaven, and then he told him how he could help. And what he asked to do is that they would, could we have access to some resources and will you send part of the king's guard or or army back with me to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and the gates that had been destroyed because a a city or a life whose gates have been destroyed are defenseless. There's no boundaries and the enemy can come in and out at will. If you go in areas of the city, Um, it doesn't have to be the city, it could be anywhere, but you you will see women or you'll see men who are curled by addictions and the gates of the city, of their soul, have been destroyed and the enemy has free reign and he walks in and out. But it can even happen to us because the enemy knows our weakness and those weaknesses are representative of a gate that has been destroyed. And so the Lord instructed him what to do and we and he went back, and, and and he he was able to rally the people, and they said, "Let us arise and build." They had rebuilt the temple uh, some fifty or sixty years before, but but after that, the walls of the city still uh, lie in. Uh, they still lie in, uh, or they laid rather in ruin. And Nehemiah came back to rebuild those things, and the Lord gave him favor. And then we get to chapter four. And now as they begin to rebuild, they are surrounded by a ring of enemies, a ring of enemies. And the scripture details this and lays it out for us. I'm going to share some of that in just a little bit. But the the verse that I want to share with you this morning is Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 6. It stands out for its sturdy simplicity. It stands out for not its, not its defiance, it wasn't defiant so much as through our God we will do valiantly and this is the proof of it. And Nehemiah said in chapter 4 verse 6, he said, so this simple word, so we built the wall and the whole wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. They had stared down the enemy, the opposition, and I want to share with you today about overcoming when you're the underdog, overcoming when you're the underdog. I was uh, 14 or 15 years old and had a paper route, the Scranton Tribune, that was a morning paper, and uh, I had 140-some customers that had to be delivered every morning by bicycle uh, it was three different paper routes combined, and there, it was actually several miles that—that that, that's what it took. Um, and so, uh, they all had to be delivered by 6:30, or they didn't—they didn't owe for that day. It was 10 cents a day, and I had to collect from 147 households every month. That you just went door to door. That was my job, and you hoped to goodness that they'd pay you because. All you made on a customer was like sixty cents in a month, so if someone didn 't pay you two dollars and forty cents, how many know, that could really set you back you, I learned a lot of life lessons in that, but one of the life lessons I learned is this: is that often the opposition, if we don 't do anything about it, the opposition will keep coming back and back and back and back. but often the opposition the bark is worse than its bite and so at the at the far reaches. Of my bike route, uh, there was a, a, pro- a house, it was government housing, it was called Grassy Island. And there was no grass, just concrete, sidewalks, and, and the lights shone all night long. It was lit up, lit up uh, it, with a different style of light. And it didn't take me long to figure out that uh, next to this place was a salvage yard. And this salvage yard had dogs that were fierce, but there was one dog that was not chained up at night. And I'd drive up there, uh, right up there, man. This this fourteen. I was a fourteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old, and I had a, a Schwinn bike. How many remember Schwinn bikes? Uh, black, red, and white seat. Had streamers on the front. Had a great big giant basket to hold all these papers and chrome. Front and back uh, fenders, I guess you'd call them, go over your wheel. And in the middle one morning, I came around the corner and this dog came running out. And I mean, he was literally um, raising hell, let me put it that way. I mean, he went like this and the fur on the back of his neck stood up. And I don't know what he was, it didn't make any difference. He scared the bejabbers out of me and I was afraid. I was afraid, and so then I'd I'd go back the other way, you know, and this this continued on until finally, uh, one morning I finally figured out, uh, (laughs) and I guess I'd had enough, that I was just going to get on my bike and pedal as fast as I can right at him. And uh, uh, fools rush in where angels fear to tread, I might add. But he turned tail, and that was the end of it. I'd overcome him. His bark was way worse than his bite. Unfortunately, in the the case often of opposition we fight, the bark might be equal to the bite. But in the case here of Nehemiah and uh, Jerusalem, they were in an untenable situation. And so the words that... Says, so we built the wall, have significant meaning for you and for me today. They built the wall. There's famous words in this chapter four along with that. One of them is that people had a mind to work. One of them is we prayed, but we also set a watch. Another one is that God frustrated the plans of our enemies. The scenario is this ring. Of enemies was that Sanballat, who represented Samaria, he was the governor of that area, it was to the north. They had to the east was Tobiah. From the south, the Arabs were represented. And in this chapter, they're joined by a new enemy called of the Ashdodites, which is the Philistines. How many have heard of the Philistines in the Bible? Mortal enemies. Mortal enemies of Jerusalem. So now you have north, south, east, west, and they're surrounded. Sanballat comes with these people, and they were all stirred up, and they had resources, they had leaders, they had wealth, and they even had armies, and this situation looked like it was impossible, and it was starting to affect the workers that were on the wall. But the Bible tells us this, that Nehemiah overcame because a partnership of heaven And a partnership of earth is unstoppable. Through our God, we shall do valiantly. Nehemiah shows us how to overcome when we're the underdog. And I want to share those things with you because you've either been the underdog or in an untenable situation or you're you're fixing to get in that place. How many understand that? No, There's a couple things that are certain in life. Death, taxes, and we'll face opposition to what God has in our life. The first thing I want to share with you is that opposition is inevitable, but success is optional. And you can follow along in your bulletin or your program. There's notes that are there, and I encourage you to take those. Opposition is inevitable, but success is optional. Now, it came about that when Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry. And mock the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and he said, Even what they are building, if a fox, should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. Verse 4, Nehemiah's response was, "Hear, Hear, O our God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their own heads and give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out before you, for they have demoralized your builders. And I love that, by the way. I love that understanding that what we do, that God's called us to do, that God is with us. It's not just us and the opposition. If God be for us, who can be against us? Praise his name. So we built the wall and the whole wall was joined together to have its height for the people had a mind to work. Words sting, and in the word, in this passage, there's a word called It's used as restore. That's a a word that we are very familiar with, but it's rarely used in the Bible. The word for restore is rarely used, this particular word. But restore meant to rebuild. It meant to restore the function of. And the opposition was led by this guy by the name of Sanballat. And he was saying things like this, will they Pray the wall up? They haven't done it in 50 years. Will they sacrifice the wall up? They've been praying and they've been sacrificing, but there's been no wall. What's their other plan? They have no clue what they're doing. The opposition often is angry and mocking, and it's ongoing, it's relentless, and it actively recruits other people. Sandalot recruited these other men and wealthy men from Samaria and their their resources and their army. They were there. And I can, I can just see now that 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 the wall had been torn down in several different places. The gates have been destroyed and and the workers are working. And I can if if I was them, I'd probably be like with my eyes up like this and ducking back down because they were openly there. They were there to demoralize the people. Sandballad is characterized as a demagogue. A demagogue is a, a person, a leader, or a political figure who, who chooses to incite people based on their biases and their prejudices. And I want to say this morning as a pastor, this has no place in our personal life, and it, and I want to encourage... I want to caution us to discern who we follow willy-nilly after, whether it be a political figure or be a preacher on television. If you follow a preacher on television because they appeal to your prejudices and your biases, and I've mentioned this a few weeks ago, perhaps about the Muslim people of the Islam faith, and they rant on and on, and you just think that's wonderful, and you're sending money off to them, you will not find a place in God's Word where that's appropriate. What God uses is leadership that understand their ministers and agents of God. This is what God wants wants to do. And so I want to encourage you, even, and there's an abundance of it today of demagoguery, saying things and trying to incite the the base that's there, I want to encourage you, you be involved in the process, but call a spade a spade. How many understand what I'm saying? Okay. There's no hands that are up, but I'm sharing this with you because I feel really strongly against this. Hitler was a demagogue. Hitler talked about, he hit the biases of the German people against the Jews and blame the Jews for everything that was going on. And it has no place in public life. And I just want to encourage you now, if we have leadership that does that, the Bible says that we're to pray for those in authority over them, because God even uses them. So it doesn't mean that we discount everybody, but there's a we have to be aware of what God's word is and what his standards are. I, I just want to I, I see Bruce Jacobs here. This morning, I don't know, is Bruce, uh, Nancy, uh, I don't see Nancy, but uh, Bruce and Nancy, if don't, uh, no, Bruce and Nancy are founding members of the Grace Assembly of God. They've since moved to Florida. They love it, but I'm glad they come back every once in a while. And, uh, and Nancy Jacobs was a state senator in Maryland, Maryland state senator, and before that, House of Representatives for several years, a person of strong, held convictions, but uh, she had no problem espousing values and biblical values, but you could never characterize her as a demagogue. And she was known for her ability to work across the aisles. And when she retired, she retired with honor, and people of both parties respected her. I just, we, <laughs> this is where we need to go, folks. Okay, that, I just want to say that, all right. The opposition that comes can wear us down, but success comes from facing the opposition God's way because our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I I want to bring out for a moment, the, the Scripture paints what the opposition is like, and it's so important. It helps us discern the motives of opposition but it also helps us examine our own heart. It's a gut check for our motivations. If you're you're in a situation in your own home and you're a husband, teenager, a wife, and you don't agree, but you begin to use words that are particularly used to dominate or to discourage or to break down or to break down their will, or to destroy, I want you to know that God, God will hold you accountable. How many understand that? Yes. We are called to speak life to people. And just because we're followers of Jesus Christ does not exempt us, that we can claim that we're Christians and then we can slip into this role of saying and doing things to people to discourage and to break them down. And so, but our success will come as we do things God's way, because success is optional, but God's well, will for you and for me is success. Can someone praise God? Amen. We are more than conquerors of Jesus Christ. Second thing I want to share with you is opposition wears us down. Opposition wears us down or makes us look up. Verse 7 Now, when Sanballat, here they are again, to buy on the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, heard that the repair of the wall of Jerusalem went on. And that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. All of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem to cause a disturbance in it. I, I just love this, but we pray to our God. And because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. They conspired, but we prayed. When you can't do anything else, you can pray. Praise God. And we can always pray. Opposition is part of the journey. Uh, on Wednesday nights in uh, at the Regenerate, uh, the, uh, the Bible study and worship and fellowship time that we have. And um, on Wednesday, and I invite you to come. We're 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 in the we're in a Psalms. I'm calling it Psalms for the Summer. Summer Psalms, Psalms for the Summer. Last week was 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm tells us that the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. He leads me beside the still waters. He makes me lie down in grassy pastures. They're called paths of righteousness for his namesake. But he also, paths of righteousness, Both were both led beside the still waters and also in the valley of the shadow of death. And Sometimes opposition in our life Not sometimes, but when it comes, God wants us to know that the Good Shepherd is with us. Praise His name. And following the Lord Jesus Christ is not just that He'll always lead us beside the still waters. It's to know that He's with us when He leads us in His paths of righteousness for His name's sake so that His name can be exalted and glorified. And sometimes that's through the valley of the shadow of death, which could be the very gates of death itself or it could be in, like in Jeremiah it meant the desert places where it's dry and it's hot and the sun is relentless and the water's not there and it's hard to find food and our soul starts to shrivel up but the good shepherd is with us praise his name verse five they were wearing them down and Nehemiah said they have demoralized the builders You've heard me say this, he that thinketh he leadeth and no one followeth only taketh a walk. They're demoralized. That's a bad, that's a hard place to be in if you're leader, a leader. They're demoralized. But because of our enemies, <laughs> Nehemiah said, we prayed and we set a watch. We prayed and we set a watch. The enemies conspired. It's the partnership of heaven and earth. They were demoralized, but Nia's, Nehemiah began to encourage them. And because of the, their trust in him and good management and organizational skills and the vision and the self-sacrifice, and we'll see some of that next week about what it means if we're going to lead out of something, what, what, what God uses in our own life. Because of that, they were encouraged. And I want to ask you this morning, what is worth fighting for in your life? Don't let it. It'll wear you down. We can't escape that. Hot is hot. How many know that? We've got a foot of rain at our house in seven days. That's a lot of rain. Just because we're followers of Jesus Christ doesn't mean that the rain didn't fall at 508 Plum Tree. I mean, it went roaring through our yard, and we picked up all kinds of limbs and things yesterday. But what is worth fighting for in your life? Opposition will come because it's relentless. What do you need to do so that you can pray and set a watch? What is it that God has given to you that's yours, that you're fighting for? I want to encourage you, remember that the Lord is on your side. Remember that with heaven and earth, if God be for us, who can be against us? I've asked Amaris uh, Velez, Masiad, to come. And uh, I'm going to read verses 10 and 14, and, and Amaris, as you come, Amaris is married to John Maziat, and John is beloved and esteemed. He was an intern with us a uh, summer or so ago. Um, Amaris, his new bride, is an intern with us this, this summer. She is a senior at North Point Bible College and in pastoral ministry. She's done a great job for us, Um, just, just love her heart and her spirit, done whatever we've asked. You've led worship at Crossroads, and you've taught the girls on Wednesday night. In fact, my granddaughter said, oh, Papa, she's my favorite teacher ever. Yeah, but she's leaving. She said, but she said she's going to come visit us in the holidays. Will you make sure to tell me when she's here? And uh, how many know, and you've got the keys of a little girl, girl's heart or uh, uh, just a preteen's heart. That's really special. So, Maris, thank you, and I'll read these two scriptures, and then we're, we want you to come. Yeah, yeah it's worth it, yeah. <laughs> so, the effect of all this, verse 10, thus in Jude, it was said, the strength of the burden bearers is failing. Yet there is much rubbish, and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. In verse 14, Jeremiah said, When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And so I, you share this morning what God's done in your life. God bless you.
0: So I get to give a little bit of a uh, my testimony um, about overcoming in my life and what God's done in me, um, how He's built me up to be who I am, which is an overcomer. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about my life. So when I was 14 years old, I got saved. Um, when I was saved. Um, what I was dealing with at home was me and my older brother, we were raising three kids while my stepmother was dealing with drug addiction. And my dad was, at, was working 2 p.m. to 12 o'clock in the morning, Monday through Friday. So because of my stepmother dealing with drug addiction, God opened the door to my dad um, having a ministry with drug addicts. So they would come in, she would bring her friends over, and if he was there, he would sit down with them with a cup of coffee, like a nice Puerto Rican that he is, and he would sit with them and just tell them about Jesus and tell them how much Jesus loves them and wants them to change their life. Um, So when I was 14, that's what I was dealing with. I was always home. Um, My stepmother had, um, when she was coming off of a high, or if she hadn't been high for a few days, she would become very violent, right? Um, I don't know if any of you guys have dealt with drug addicts, but that's usually the case. Um, So when I was 16, um, after consistently dealing with my house situation, when I was 16, I got called into ministry. And the way that God called me into ministry, I was in my room reading Christine Kane, um, Undaunted, and I was sobbing, crying. And I just felt God say to me, um, I just got filled with spirit, just learning how to hear God's voice. And he said to me, Amaris, you need to go. You need to go tell them everything that I've told you. And I was like, what have you told me, God? Like I don't even know, like who, what, when. And he was like, go tell them about their worth. Go tell them how I saved you and how I want to save them. And so that was something that God put in me. And then the next thing that I knew, that God called me to ministry and that God called me to North Point Bible College. I've only heard about North Point Bible College at that point. I never even stepped foot on campus, but I knew that I had to go there. It's a seven-hour drive. I couldn't even go to school, which was a 20-minute drive away from home without being anxious, nonetheless going full-time Bible college seven hours away from my house. Do you understand? That's, that's a legitimate fear. That's, that's anxiety, okay? So when I got called into ministry, I wasn't the only one who knew it. Um, the devil knew it. So it got worse. What I thought was consistent, right, like I knew how to handle, you know, drug addicts and people coming in and out of the house. My dad had an open door policy, okay. So if he was there, people would come in and they would eat dinner. If he wasn't there... And there was no dinner, you know what I would do? I would have to make food with them, sit them down. If they wanted to brush their teeth, give them a toothbrush, you brush their teeth. If my stepmother came in and she was high, you don't kick her out. What you do is you tell her, you go lay her down. When she wakes up, you give her a cup of coffee. We had a good thing going, right? There was It was consistent. But then all of a sudden, it just wasn't consistent anymore, Hell broke loose, literally. It was as if every week cops were being called at my house. At one point it got so bad before I was, it was a year about, um, no, it was the summer that I was supposed to be going off to college, already dealing with the anxiety of having to leave my house. And the devil knew it. He did, what he did to make it worse is um, one day, 5 o'clock in the morning, I heard banging downstairs and that was usually my wake-up call that Tina came home. My stepmom came home. So I would have to go downstairs, make sure she was okay, separate her from my father. And, um, but this time when I walked downstairs, she had a knife to my dad's throat, about a knife this long. And this is what it looked like in the year before going to college. It was consistent chaos. It had turned into consistency to consistent chaos and I had to separate her and call the cops and I wasn't supposed to I couldn't go to school because she might come back and but that's what my life looked like right but the devil knows your weakness and so like Nehemiah 4:10 says the strength of those who bear the burdens is falling my strength was literally failing i couldn't do it anymore i was so anxious going away was a difficult decision for me i couldn't make the decision but what i did and what nehemiah did right is he had guards on check so i put accountability around me i let my father know where i was standing he is a strong christian he loves jesus more than anyone on this planet like i'm i'm pretty sure he's just the best on this entire planet And so what I did is I put accountability around me and I had to learn a few lessons in my life. And one of the lessons that I had to learn before I went off was one, God was with me. And if he was with me, he was with my family. Two, God is for me, and if he is for me, he is for my family. And three, that if I believe the last two things, then I could not be afraid, and I had to follow the call of God on my life. And it was difficult, and the devil attacked hard, and it was anxiety every single day. Going to school was difficult. Waking up was difficult, Do you understand that? But Nehemiah set a guard and so had I. And I had followed the steps that Nehemiah had did so that way I could follow the call of God and continue to build up the wall that God had called me to keep building. Nehemiah 4.14 says this, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your home. And that, my favorite verse when I first got saved was, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9. Because I knew that I had to be strong and be courageous to deal with what I was dealing with at home, right? But this is the, the tip of the iceberg of what I needed to know. I needed to remember to not be afraid. To continue fighting for the call of God on my life. To continue fighting for what God had called me to do. And that is what I'm encouraging you to do, right? What we need to do, it's not only for me. It's not only for a daughter who dealt with drug addicts. It's not only for, you know, that sort of inner city life. But it's for every single person person, that if you have a call of God, Nehemiah did it, every person in the Bible did it, if you have a call of God on your life, then you must fight for it, you must guard it no matter what. And I know and you need to know that and know that you know that you know that there is nothing and there is no one that can separate you from the call of God. Because if there's opposition, opposition must cultivate A fierceness, a fierceness, and a tenacity inside of you. Because if if the devil can attack your confidence, then you, and you lose your confidence, you have lost the battle, right? If the devil can attack your confidence and he wins, you've lost the entire battle. But if opposition builds and cultivates that fierceness in you, then you've just begun winning, all right? So I know that I know that I know that I know that I am not leaving the call of God. I'm not walking away from the call of God. I will fight with a sword in one hand, and I will worship God with my other hand, because by the grace of God, he has protected us, and he is guarding us every step of the way. Amen.
1: sword in one hand and praise in the other, praise God. So we built the wall. Nehemiah's overcame and you and I can also, there's keys to overcoming. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. From that day on, half of my servants carried on the work, while half of them held the spears, the shields, the bows, the breastplates, and the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. God frustrated the plans of the enemy because I want to encourage you today from God's Word that God is still in the business of frustrating the plans of the enemy. No weapon formed against you will prosper. It might seem like it's prospering, but Sanballat, Tobiah, and the rest, they overplayed their hand. They overestimated the effect that they could have. But no one can stand against the individual that God is on their side. He frustrated the plans because the people had a mind to work. Our faith, In our being in unity and being energized by vision or what you're fighting for, the energy, the vision that you're fighting with, it could be Amaris, the call of God on her life and facing terrible, terrible opposition. My understanding is, Amaris, that you you did grow up in New Jersey. It was in an urban setting, inner city setting. I can't imagine what that was like feeling that you're the one responsible to protect your three younger siblings, that no one else is there. You're to be the protector of the household. But you fought for the call of God in your life, and you're there. You're one year away from it. You're one year away, and you fought, and the assignments that that they've given you, and I've overseen those assignments because now I've got assignments uh, because of you that I have to turn in and One thing about Amaris is that whenever there's an assignment, man, it's there. It's done. She's a doer. It's there. and Now it's piling up on, on my desk of what I've got to do to make sure you get credit for that course. But you fought for it. When we have a mind to work, we can overcome. They looked up instead of around. They discerned, and they declared to the Lord, oh, God, this is your work. This is your work. This is your work. I do recall when, I do recall there was a time at Grace Assembly of God and it was, it was I, I don't know, 12 years ago this year and the wheels came off the wagon and we called a prayer meeting and there wasn't a whole lot of people that were left to pray but we, all we knew to do was pray. They conspired but we prayed. They conspired, but we prayed. And it makes all the difference in the world. No one, nothing, can stand against it. They encouraged themselves with God's truth. Nehemiah had a strategy. He got real. That's why the Bible says, he said, I prayed, but I set a watch. He armed them. They had real enemies out there threatening, threatening to attack. And so Nehemiah said, yeah, we've got a work to do, but uh, this is what all else you need to do. And so one phrase said they had a trowel in one hand, a sword in the other. How would you like that? Trowel in one hand, a sword in the other. But when Sanballat and Tobiah, they looked on and they saw the resolve of the people, they lost their own confidence. Nehemiah and the, the people in Jerusalem, they were motivated by the consequences of their families and said, fight. For your sons and your daughters your wives fight for your families and he communicated and he executed it because of that they completed this wall was only 50 i think it was 53 days they completed it god has a work for you god has something that he wants you to do something that's worth fighting i want to encourage you today that it's never too late to start it's never too late to start over I want to encourage you that God's in the business of restoration, of rebuilding walls, of rebuilding city gates, the gates of your city, and the Lord will help you do it. Praise His name. We've got a project in front of us. You know about it. We're getting ready to getting ready to break ground, and uh, I can and I can just feel this thing coming. We've got people working on it, and uh, but we're praying. We're setting a watch. We're doing the right thing. One day, and I think it's just going to be several months off, what they're telling us, it won't be that long once they break ground, five months, something like that, six months, we'll be in that singing God's praises, be a center of ministry, and we're fighting for that every step of the way. Man, we're fighting for it every step of the way. I've heard the economy's going to crash in August. That's just a couple of days away. We're going ahead. We're moving ahead. That's God's plan for us. Praise God. By his grace, we're going to make this happen. Eleanor, harmony of praise. You're fighting for those kids in the Philippines. It's worth the fight. It's worth the fight. You have a plan. You've prayed, but you've set a watch. You've executed it. You've communicated it. You're getting ready to take off. Praise God for it. What's God have for you to fight for? It is worth it. Praise God. If we don't do anything, if we don't do anything, Defeat is guaranteed. But when we set ourselves and a mind to work and we watch and pray, with God all things are possible. Praise his name. Praise God. I'm going to ask you to stand.